I'm still getting over him hiding himself in the stillness of our heart. Oh, <laughs> oh that's so beautiful. I, I, who here likes the storms? I, I, I enjoy, so long as they don't cause any damage, I really enjoy the thunder and the lightning proceeding for, you know, it's, it's something glorious about it. And the Bible talks about the thunder and lightning proceeding from the throne. And it's glorious. It's, it's amazing. And yet, you know, to hear Dylan say, and in the midst of that, it's thinking that God hides his voice in the stillness of our heart. Just, oh, too hard to move on quickly. Hallelujah. Isn't he beautiful? Our wonderful God. Well, it's beautiful to have you in the house tonight too. What a privilege it is to be able to gather and just to worship God and to be in his presence together. Let's just take a moment just to pray, can we? Father, we love you. Oh God, you are amazing. We worship you. We bless you. We say thank you for your goodness and your kindness. God, you are wonderful. And Lord, we ask that tonight that you would stretch forth your hand to heal and do signs and wonders and miracles in the name of your holy servant, Jesus. Lord, that you would give us a spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of you, enlightening the eyes of our understanding so that we can really know you. Father, we want to know you. Help us, Papa, we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, it's good to have you in the house tonight. I've been sharing a little bit on uh, the spirit of wisdom. And I want to uh, take some more time with that tonight. Now, the Lord was speaking, has been speaking for a, a couple of months now about his desire to really help us embrace him as the Lord and the, and the spirit of wisdom. And so I've been deliberate to spend time studying the book of Proverbs very intentionally over this past month. And as I've set my face to say, Lord, I need wisdom. The Bible says, if any of you lack wisdom, let him ask and he'll give to you without reproach. So I say, I need wisdom and I want to, I want to fellowship with you, Lord, as a spirit of wisdom. And so I've been reading through the book of Proverbs. And, you know, it's fascinating to, to listen and hear how the Holy Spirit personified in Proverbs as a spirit of wisdom is inviting us into fellowship. Now, I just want to have a look at Proverbs um, chapter 8. It says here, um, chapter 8, verse 1, Does not wisdom cry out and understanding lift up her voice? She takes her stand on the top of the high hill, beside the way where the paths meet. She cries out by the gates at the entry of the city, at the entrance of the doors. To you, O men, I call, and my voice is to the sons of men. I'll skip down to verse 10. She says, receive my instruction and not silver and knowledge rather than choice gold. For wisdom is better than rubies and all the things one may desire cannot be compared with her. He goes on. It's an amazing chapter as you look at wisdom, as she begins to just describe who she is. You can see this sevenfold spirit of God um, shown really clearly in that passage. Now, the Bible talks about the seven spirits of God and as I've been intentional to, to fellowship with God in, in the context of, Lord, I want you to give me the spirit of wisdom and revelation. I want to fellowship with you, Holy Spirit, as the spirit of wisdom. I've discovered that the Lord has been giving me just supernatural ideas, glorious thoughts. And it seems like every time I open the Bible recently, it's this fresh revelation, something else jumping out that just, it's just there. 
And this is what I believe the desire of God is in helping us to really look to him for the wisdom he wants to share with us. He's got daily bread for us every day. I mean, I'm getting thoughts and ideas that are just so good. They couldn't have come from me. Wonderful, inspired ideas that are coming from the Holy Spirit simply by taking time to deliberately fellowship with him as the spirit of wisdom. He says in um, Proverbs chapter 9, Proverbs chapter 9, verse 1, Wisdom has built her house. She's hewn out her seven pillars. She's slaughtered her meat. She's mixed her wine. She's also furnished her table. She's sent out the maidens. She cries from the highest places of the city. Whoever is simple, let him turn in here. As for him who lacks understanding, she says to him, Come, eat of my bread and drink of the wine I've mixed. Forsake foolishness and live and go in the way of understanding. To me, as I read that, that is an invitation. And I believe that the Holy Spirit in this season of awakening is helping us recognize that the Word of God is not just something to be, you know, understood cerebrally, but to be responded to. Everything in the kingdom is about response. It's an invitation to your response. You've been made in the image of God. That means you have the capacity to choose. So you have the capacity to, as, to choose whether or not you're going to respond to this invitation. You could read this, you could memorize it, but if you'd actually take time to go, wow, the Holy Spirit, the spirit of wisdom is inviting me to come and eat at the table, is inviting me to have fellowship. It's a glorious thing. And I believe that if we'd be, become like little children and start reading the Bible as though it is just what it says, an invitation into fellowship. If we begin to learn to respond and read the word with the Holy Spirit's help, we begin to understand how gloriously real the truth of this book being bread, being food to us actually is. Amen? But as I've been doing this and spending time just being deliberate, getting before the Lord saying, Lord, I want to spend time with you. I want to fellowship with you as the spirit of wisdom. I've been thinking about the Holy Spirit and the, the sevenfold spirit of God. You know, the Bible says that in, all the way through the book of Revelation, you can see it at least four times. It talks about the seven spirits of God, like burning flames before the throne. And um, I want to have a look at Revelation chapter 4, verse 2. It says this, Immediately I was in the spirit, and behold, a throne set in heaven. And one sat on the throne, and he who sat there was like a jasper and a sardius stone in appearance, and there was a rainbow around the throne in appearance like an emerald. Around the throne were 24 thrones, and on the thrones I saw 24 elders sitting, clothed in white robes, and they had crowns of gold on their head. He actually saw this. The elders who were with Moses got to see the throne room too. They got to see the sea of glass. I mean... To me, I hear that and think if those people got to see this, this is definitely an invitation. And from the throne proceeded lightnings, thunderings, and voices. 
That's awesome. I mean, it must be an incredible, incredible sight. Thunderings, lightnings. You know how it, it makes us all sort of, we're all awake and aware when thunder and lightning's going on. But this is going on in the throne room. And it's not a bad or a dangerous thing. It's glorious and it's powerful and it's amazing. Thunder, lightning and rainbows all at the same time. Amazing. And from the throne proceeded lightnings, thunderings and voices. Seven lamps of fire were burning before the throne, which are the seven spirits of God. Now, I've often wondered, what is this seven spirits of God all about? I've not really understood. And I... I as I've been looking at it, I've been asking the Lord, well, teach me about this. Help me to understand. If we have a look at Isaiah chapter 11, verse 2, it says, The Spirit of the Lord shall rest upon him, the Spirit of wisdom and understanding, the Spirit of counsel and might, the Spirit of knowledge and of the fear of the Lord. Now, I mean, we read other things like in Ephesians, the Spirit of wisdom and revelation. So I'm not saying that this is the only seven descriptions, but I believe this is predominantly what, what the Holy Spirit is wanting to represent to us as the sevenfold spirit of God. If you think about the temple, they've got all these different uh, pieces in the temple. And one of the things that they have there is a lampstand. And I believe that the temple is a, a picture, a shadow of the seven spirits burning like flames of fire uh, before the throne. And that's the menorah. Have you got a, a photo of that for me there, Dylan? If you have a look at it, it's interestingly, it's, they're told they have to make it out of one piece of gold. So it's all one piece. It's not added in. It's, it's beaten out of one piece of gold. And you can see this, the center, center piece there and then six different lamps there and there's so much meaning to it but if you look at it as said the center one there the spirit of the lord the spirit it says here of wisdom understanding counsel might knowledge and the fear of the lord if we can fellowship if if the spirit of wisdom invites us to fellowship with him what does that mean for these other attributes of the Holy Spirit. It's not as though there's seven different spirits of God. It's one spirit, just as that thing is made out of one piece of gold. But the sevenfold spirits of God, I believe, are not just mentioned lightly. Over and over again, we hear about the seven spirits of God. And I believe it is an invitation for us to begin to recognize that if we are truly desiring to know him, this is an invitation for us to say, Lord, I want to know you as the spirit of counsel. I want to know you as the spirit of knowledge. I want to know you as the fear of the Lord. Help me, Holy Spirit. And I believe as we begin to really embrace him and start to say, Lord, I want to know you. I want to embrace the fellowship of the Holy Spirit in the fullness of all that you are. I believe the Holy Spirit wants to give us far more revelation than we've ever understood. Amen. So I, as I've been thinking about the, the different spirits of the Lord, I've been asking the Holy Spirit, teach me. And I've stayed in Proverbs and continued to look there. It says here in Proverbs chapter 9, verse 10, 
The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. And the knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. If you read Proverbs in light of the sevenfold spirit of God, you can actually see that coming up everywhere, all the way, every, every attribute of the spirit of God coming up all the way through the book of Proverbs. It's quite exciting. The longer, you, the longer you look, the more there is to see. But I've been thinking about the fear of the Lord and what that looks like. And I've been asking the Holy Spirit, help me. I want to grow in wisdom, but I also want to know you. I want to, I want to walk in holy reverential fear. I want to understand what, why do they have one of these as the fear of the Lord? Why do they say the spirit of the fear of the Lord? I believe too that as we spend time asking the Holy Spirit to speak to us, to teach us, he wants us to really understand that this wisdom we look for begins with the fear of the Lord. Psalm 90 verse 12 says this. Well, actually, I'll, start, I'll go first to Proverbs chapter 15 verse 33. The fear of the Lord teaches a man wisdom. And humility comes before honor. It's fascinating to me that if you want to gain wisdom, begin by reverential fear of the Lord. Ask the Holy Spirit to help you understand the fear of the Lord. But then he says in Psalm 90, verse 12, teach us to number our days that we may gain a heart of wisdom. This is a psalm written by Moses. Teach me to number my days that I may gain a heart of wisdom. I believe this is a Another, another way of the, the Lord showing us the fear of the Lord and the connection between the fear of the Lord and wisdom. By understanding and saying, Lord, teach me to number my days that I may gain a heart of wisdom. I believe wisdom is that the Lord would have us recognize this gift of life that we have and what this means. You know, when I think about it, when I was a, in my 20s, I was quite egocentric. Even though I was saved, even though I was a zealous Christian, I was still very egocentric. I look back now and I cringe sometimes about the way I treated people or just the way my, my worldview was very egocentric. It was very focused on me. But as I gradually began to mature, I began to realize, whoa, you know, it's ridiculous to have a life that's you know, self-focused. But as I was thinking about that, that's so much what it's like in that the Lord wants us to recognize that life is not meant to be lived according to the philosophy of the world. The world would tell you a hedonistic philosophy. Hey, you've got one life. You only live once. YOLO. And, and live for yourself. Go for it. Make sure that you really enjoy it. And that sounds great. But when you start asking for the spirit of wisdom, the spirit of the fear of the Lord is intricately connected to him. He's the same person and he will start to teach you to fear the Lord. If you say, give me wisdom, he'll say, let me help you learn how to number your days. Let me show you what it's actually all about. Because if we could see from an eternal perspective, instead of YOLO, you only live once, let's live for ourselves. We'd start to think about storing up treasure in heaven. We'd start to think about, Lord, what does it look like to worship this one 
whose eyes blaze like fire? What does it look like to serve this one who is altogether glorious? This one who has delivered me from the bondage of sin, who's delivered me from death. What does it look like to live my life for his glory? This, I believe, is the desire of the spirit of wisdom to teach us his ways. This, um, this growing up is talked about in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 11. I'll read it because it's all good. And he gave some to be apostles, Ephesians 4 to 11. 4, 11. He, gave himself, he himself gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, and some pastors and teachers for the equipping of the saints for the work of ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. So we all come to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to a perfect man, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, that we should no longer be children tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine by the trickery of men in the cunning craftiness of deceitful plotting. But speaking the truth in love may grow up in all things into him who is the head, Christ. This concept of Growing up into him, the head, is a little bit like when I look at my own life and think, well, I was very egocentric in my 20s, but I'm gradually learning what it looks like to, to, to grow up. I'm nearly a grown-up. Hallelujah. But I think, I think that the Lord is looking for us not to waste our lives continually living like children in the idea that we would have an egocentric worldview, but that we would grow up. And we'd actually begin to grab a hold of the invitation of wisdom saying, hey, if you're foolish, which is everyone who hasn't yet matured, come here. I want to feed you. I want to teach you. And then if you look back at the, the blessings of wisdom, it's incredible. Proverbs chapter 8, as if we go back there, he says... Um, Verse 13, the fear of the Lord is to hate evil, pride and arrogance in the evil way and the perverse mouth I hate. Counsel is mine, sound wisdom. I am understanding, I have strength. By me, kings reign and rulers decree justice. By me, princes rule and nobles, all the judges of the earth. I love those who love me and those who seek me diligently will find me. That's wisdom speaking. Proverbs 8, 18, riches and honor are with me, enduring riches and righteousness. My fruit is better than gold, yes, than fine gold, and my revenue than choice silver. I traverse the way of righteousness in the midst of the paths of justice, that I may cause those who love me to inherit wealth, that I may fill their treasuries. Now, think about that. It's amazing. If, as you start to seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, all these things get added. It's exactly what happened with Solomon. He said, God, I mean, the Lord said, was there with an invitation. He said, I need wisdom. Give me wisdom. And because he asked for wisdom, he got everything else. And this is what Proverbs says. Funny thing is, it was Solomon that wrote Proverbs. Hallelujah. So he knew a thing or two about it. Much of Proverbs anyway. But as we seek him first, all these things get added. It's an incredible blessing from the Lord as we put him first. But the heart of the Father is not is that we wouldn't remain 
like little children living with an egocentric view, but actually start to grow up into him, respond to the invitation of wisdom, respond to the invitation of the Lord to know him, to feast with him, to be be taught of him. I love that tonight we were singing about, uh, show me your ways. It's a a magnificent prayer that I pray all the time. Lord, show me your ways. Teach Teach me your paths. Show me your ways. Guide me in the way everlasting. If you ask in faith, you will receive. He will teach you. He will lead you. He will guide you. Hallelujah. And so we have choice all the time. We've got this incredible gift of life, which means that every single day I have the freedom to choose what I do with this life. Teach me to number my days that I may gain a heart of wisdom, Lord, so that when I wake up, I'm thinking not with my mind conformed to the pattern of the world that's like, well, how do I live for my own pleasure today? But I live with a fear of the Lord that says, Lord, this, my life is like a breath. That's what it says. Compared to eternity, this life is like a breath. I want, teach me to number my days so that I may gain a heart of wisdom. Show me what it looks like to live a life that has an eternal perspective, that's thinking about eternity, that's storing up treasure in heaven, that's, that's preparing for the life that's to come. Hallelujah. It's got a lot of clues about that still in this book of Proverbs, Proverbs 11.30. The fruit of the righteous is a tree of life. And he who wins souls is wise. Now, I was having a conversation with someone this week and um, they were talking about their, the different um, programs they have for evangelism and this one was concerned about um, people actually not recognizing the importance of actually winning souls. And that she was saying, people are saying, you know, just I've got this program where I give out donuts to people and yet they're not actually ever telling them about eternal life and she said how can I help how can I help them recognize that this isn't really evangelism well you know we love to be kind we want to be loving we want to demonstrate love but I think about it like this on the day of judgment are they going to thank me because I was there giving them a donut knowing that I could have told them and I didn't Are they going to thank me because I was kind, because I was nice? And yet, will they look at me with eyes feeling betrayed because I could have told them and I didn't? You know, it's a heavy subject and people don't like to talk about it. It's like, no, no, this isn't happy. But actually, it can be gloriously happy because the heart of the Father is that none should perish. But he also desires for us to begin to wake up and know who we are. Because he says, as he is, so are we in this world. His desire is not just to give us a little bit of wisdom, but to have us operating out of the mind of Christ. That is fully aware, fully awake, and living from a place where we are already seated in eternity with him. That we would start to wake up and recognize that we are not mere humans. We're not people just having an earthly existence and, you know, trying to get by and make sure that we survive. We have now become born from above. We are seated already in eternity with him in heavenly places. And we have the privilege, if we
we will number our days, if we will walk with a heart of wisdom to recognize that this life I'm given is to be stewarded for the glory of the King. He's looking for us, I believe, to start to think, Lord, what does it look like? What does it look like to really wake up? To come up out of that place of slumber and deception where we, we've just conformed to the pattern of the world. If you start down this track of going into wisdom's house, recognizing, like I've shared before, that there's, there's two voices. There's the temptress, which is sin, saying, come here, come here, you'll like it, it's good. You deserve it. And there's wisdom here, the other woman personified, saying, come here, I've got great food for you. I've got what you need. I'm going to feed you. And with me is riches and long life and joy and peace. And the temptress is there at the same time trying to sell sin. And the glory of the good news of the gospel is that we have been given power to choose. We're not slaves to sin. We've got freedom to be able to say, yes, thank you, God. I don't have to be condemned by the fact that I'm hearing the voice of the tempter. I can have power to say, thank you, Jesus. I have power now by the spirit of the Lord living in me to go wholeheartedly into the house of wisdom and say, Lord, you make a way of escape out of every temptation. Hallelujah. Teach me your ways. Help me to wake up, to be fully aware and to be fully awake. You know, as I've been looking at this, my heart's been starting to really burn. And, and I believe that we need to be very careful that we allow our consciences to, to have the surgery that the Holy Spirit wants to do on them. Now, sometimes we, we have a bit of this and we have a bit of that. And we ignore the reality of what the Bible says in the book of Revelation about being lukewarm. And yet we justify it. We say, well, I'm doing okay. But the Lord is saying, I'm just looking for your heart. I'm just looking for your heart. I was challenged by this scripture today, Matthew chapter 7, verse 21. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. But only he who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. Many will say on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and in your name drive out demons and perform many miracles? Then I'll tell them plainly, I never knew you. Away from me, you evildoers. And I've been talking to Pastor Joel about this this week. And I mean, we have great conversation spurring one another on to love. We're both, we're both zealots. Hallelujah. So it works very well. But you know, this is a really sober passage. This is telling me that many will say, God, we were prophesying in your name. We were driving out demons. We were performing miracles in your name. What do you mean? Depart from me. This means that these are people who come to church. These are people who come to a Pentecostal church. What is this? Driving out demons, doing miracles, prophesying, and yet not inheriting eternal life. You know, I, I believe that the Father is saying it's, 
It's an invitation. Will you come here? Will you fellowship with me, the spirit of wisdom? Will you fellowship with me? I am looking not for what you can do. I am looking for your heart. If you will come and you'll eat with me, I want to teach you. I want to talk to you. We heard that prophetic word through the worship tonight. It was, you know, come, I want to spend time with you. This isn't just a nice invitation. This is your lifeline. The Father is looking for those who would know him. That's why Paul prays at the beginning in Ephesians that you would have the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him, that your eyes would be enlightened so that you would know him, so that you would fall in love with him, that your passion and your zeal would be all about getting to know him. Because in getting to know him and hearing his heart, your heart becomes so uh, tender before him that you have no other desire but to do his will. Hallelujah. Where you become so entwined that you say, it's not my will, but yours be done. Show me your way today. Teach me your path. I want to hear your voice today. And instead of battling with condemnation that would try to make people feel bad because they're not doing well enough, it becomes irrelevant. Those voices are recognized for what they are. It's simply sin having a go, trying to limit you. But the heart of the Father is that you would wake up and recognize, thank God, by the grace of my Lord Jesus, I've confessed my sin. He is faithful and just to forgive me, cleanse me. Even if my heart condemns me, he's greater than my heart. Therefore, I choose to believe I am clean. I am forgiven. I am pure. Now in that place, I can fellowship with you, God. I don't have to be afraid. I don't have to be ashamed. It doesn't matter how I feel when I wake up in the morning. I have the power now by the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ to tell my soul what to think, to tell my soul, hey, soul, you are loved. You are clean. You are holy. And when the enemy comes, he says, you like this, why don't you do this? And you feel bad because you've been tempted. Instead of feeling like, oh, I'm a terrible person because that sounded tempting. You recognize that's just an invitation that I don't have to respond to. The invitations will keep coming as long as you're alive because there is two voices. The temptress and wisdom continually offering what they think you want. But when you wake up and realize what you really want, what your spirit really desires, what you were craved for, when you wake up and you say, spirit of wisdom, enlighten my eyes, teach me to number my days, give me an eternal perspective, help me to recognize what it means to be seated here in heavenly places with you. Then suddenly these things become very irrelevant. Hallelujah. The power of choice. It's so amazing. It's freedom that we have to choose. But this choice, these choices that we make are much more real and much more serious than I think we've ever understood. Because it's not just about you and your eternity. It's about those ones that God wants to reach through you. You could choose to spend a day, a me day. I'm having a me day. But you know what? That me day, God has laid up good works in advance for you to do. He won't force you to do them. You've got a choice. He's not asking. I don't, I'm not suggesting that we get into a works mentality that thinks I've got to serve God. I've got to serve God. 
but instead waking up and realizing I am created to serve God. This is my identity. This is who I am. And in everything I do, I do it unto the Lord. Hallelujah. I do it aware that I don't have to be ashamed. I'm not trying to be good enough to, to earn the, the love of God. I'm already in and I want to I wanna live with you as though I, you are physically in my home. Now, it's a good way to get to know people, have people stay with you, isn't it? But God wants us to recognize that he actually physically, it's as though he were physically in the house with you every day. If we would start to be aware of the reality of the fellowship of the Holy Spirit, as though he were right here, which he is, hallelujah. He says he'll never leave you or forsake you. He is right here. If we woke up to that reality on a day-to-day basis, instead of entertaining all the rubbish that the enemy would try to present to us as you're making your breakfast or whatever you're doing, if you're aware that the Holy Spirit is also standing in the room, you have a free, the freedom and the power to choose to fellowship with him. To go, hey, I want to talk to you. I love you. What do you want to do today? Hallelujah. What would it look like? If we actually started to come out of human thinking into heavenly thinking, what would it look like if we actually entered into not a wisdom of the world or a wisdom of men's thinking, but actually deliberately lent into by fellowshipping with the spirit of God, lent into the mind of Christ, the, the wisdom of God himself and began to live like that. Instead of being survivors or victims, you'd be walking around with a holy confidence and your eyes would start to blaze with the fire of the one that's within you. The world is longing, waiting, groaning for the manifestation of the sons of God. He is waiting for you who's been born again to wake up and realize who you actually are. I believe that the Holy Spirit is also, I I believe in this next season, we truly are entering into a harvest time, into a revival season like we've never seen. But it's going to be ushered in with a move of the fear of the Lord. Because the fear of the Lord is what will truly help us wake up to the spirit of wisdom that we may be able to number our days, that we may be able to live with an eternal perspective. Amen. Father, I ask that you'd give us grace. Lord, that you'd help us, Papa. Lord, teach us to number our days that we may gain a heart of wisdom. Lord, that we may walk with you and know that you love us, that you are for us. But Lord, help us to walk aware of the reality of our freedom to choose, that we may choose life, Father, that we may choose it day after day, that we would choose to follow you, that we would choose to obey you, that we would choose to walk with you, choose to believe you, that we would be the just, the righteous, who live deliberately, actively by faith, Papa. In Jesus' name, amen. Hallelujah. Well, I'm going to pray with some people tonight as the Lord leads. You all right? Does that witness with your spirit? I believe the Holy Spirit is offering invitations like we haven't seen. For you know that, that what we are about to step into is so glorious. 
But these invitations are often veiled by our own familiarity with them. That we look at these things and think, oh yeah, I know that, I'm familiar with it. And we've not actually understood what it is. I don't want to get to eternity and think, you mean I could have asked? I could have asked for the spirit of wisdom. I could have asked for for the spirit of knowledge. I could have had understanding and yet I didn't ask. I, I read that, I know that. I don't want to be one that, that, that doesn't lay hold of the invitations and respond as the Holy Spirit is asking us to. You know, I believe, just as we read in Proverbs, that one of the fruits of walking with wisdom will be fruitfulness. Incredible fruitfulness. Fruitfulness in every area. Hallelujah. It's an invitation, but the heart of the Father is longing and calling for us to start to come out of our egocentricity and repent and say, God, I'm so sorry. Help me. Give me myself so I can see. Give me myself so I can recognize what I'm really meant to be doing, what life really is supposed to look like. Teach me your ways. Instead of it becoming a prayer that you pray out of routine, it becomes a burning passion in your heart. God, I recognize I need it. I need it. I need to see your ways. And I trust and know that you will show me because you said those who diligently seek you will find you. That you will speak to us. That your sheep hear your voice. Hallelujah. We can walk as the just, full of life, full of love. Absolutely secure in him and yet not living with with a, a a childlike egocentricity but living as a mature bride a mature son or daughter of god that walks recognizing opportunities surveying everything and recognizing this is i'm i'm representing the father i'm an ambassador of christ and this is this is an opportunity i can look at and i can choose whether i take it or not Hallelujah. What does it look like to have a whole company of people who are pursuing wisdom and coming up into place of maturity? I believe it'll be so fruitful. It'll be so glorious. It'll be so full of hope and joy and peace. Hallelujah. Father, thank you for your grace. You know, it it hurts my heart to think that many who are prophesying and doing miracles and in the name of the Lord, speaking the speak and thinking that they're going to get in, actually haven't exchanged their lives to receive new life, haven't actually laid down their life by choice to say, Lord, I don't want to be living for myself. I want to cross the line and I want to give my life that your life might be seen and lived out through me. Tonight, before we pray, and we're going to ask the Holy Spirit to come. He's he's already here, but to touch bodies. I believe he's already beginning to move and touch people and to pray for people as the Lord leads. But before we do that, I want to give you an opportunity. If you're here tonight and you know in your heart You need to repent. You need to get your life right with God. That you want to have an eternal security of knowing, God, 
I want to give my life to receive your life. I recognize my need for you. I want you to be my savior. If you'd come to him and say, Lord, I'm looking for you to, to take my sin and fill me with your righteousness and give me power now to choose to follow you. I choose to take the first step to hold on to you and say, Lord, I, I want to get, I want to declare that my life belongs to you. I want you to teach me what it is to be my Lord, to show me what, what it looks like to follow you as Lord and Savior. If you're here tonight and you know in your heart you need to surrender to the Lord and you want to receive him as Savior, you want to receive him as the one who can, the only one who can take away sin, the only one who can redeem you. If you say, I want to get my life right with God tonight, would you just wave your hand at me? I want to pray for you. Is there anybody here that says, yes, that's me? I want to pray for you tonight. Is there anybody here that says, yeah, I see your hand? Is there anybody else? Yes, I see you. That's beautiful. Anybody else that says, that's me tonight? Yes, I see you. Anybody else that says, yeah, that's me? You know, God sees this. This is, this, this is a deliberate line in the sand where you say, God, I choose you. I choose to respond to you. Is there anybody else? Yes, I see you. Is there anybody else that says, yes, that's me. Tonight, I'm choosing to follow you. I'm choosing to cross the line and say, Lord, my life is not my own. It's been bought with a price. I choose to lose my life to find yours. Is there anybody else here that says, I need to do that. I need to get my life right with God tonight. Don't be one of those ones that deceives yourself because you're in the crowd of the Christianese and they're going along and thinking you're okay. But if you aren't willing to lose your life to find his, you are not able to enter the kingdom of God. Is there anybody else that says, yeah, this is me out tonight. I want to lay my life down to receive the life of Christ. Let me see your hand. Is there anybody else tonight? This is precious, precious, precious to the Lord. If you just raised your hand, would you come quickly? I want to pray for you. But this is this is just an opportunity right now for you to come. If you would come, I want to pray with you. Would you come? Just come quickly. I want to pray with you tonight. It's awesome. Come on, those ones that just raise your hand. This is just private between you and God. Hallelujah. You can come. awesome. Does anyone else want to join them tonight? Say, yeah, that's right. I need to do this. It's a public. Yeah. I need to lose my life to find his. I'm, I'm coming in, in faith, believing that tonight everything changes. Hallelujah. It's beautiful. Let's pray together. Would you pray after me? Father God, I believe Jesus is the son of God that he laid down his life for me, that he paid the price for all of my sin. I believe that he alone is able to forgive me. Lord, I bring you all of my sin. Everything I've ever done, have mercy on me. I bring you my life and I lay it at the foot of the cross. Right now, Lord, I receive your new life, your spirit living in me, filling me 
and giving me power to live as a son, daughter of God. In the name of Jesus, I declare, I am a new creation. All things are passed away. Behold, I have been made new. Father, I thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. Would you reach your hands out to them right now and just pray for them.